Hey, world travelers. I'm Samantha Williams. And I'm Samantha Knoll. This is Death on Destination. Each week, we will tell a story of people enjoying paradise before something went terribly wrong. As travel agency owners, we've seen some of the most beautiful places. And we've also seen what hides just beyond gorgeous tourist sites. Join us this week as we discuss the White Island Volcano in New Zealand. December 9th, 2019 was just like any other day at Bay of Plenty in New Zealand. In this area is actually known as Wakari by the locals, but as most of us know it, it's known as White Island. White Island is a volcano. Sam and I are no volcanologists, but it is a gorgeous site. Out in the middle of the ocean, about 30 miles east of New Zealand, there is just a lone island, and it's gorgeous because you have a view of the ocean, you have a lot of greenery, but then you kind of have a a desert look. And what Wakari actually is, is an active volcano. We may not know White Island, but if you have seen the movies, The Chronicles of Narnia, the latest installation of that, as well as parts of Lord of the Rings, and in Moana, they based parts of Moana, the scenery in the movie Moana, on the White Island Volcano. So the Macquarie people that live in this area actually believe that Maui is who created this volcano. So he apparently got burned and decided to jump back in the ocean, hence creating this massive volcano. Take us back to December 9th. Why were people on the island to begin with? So... White Island originally was a huge tourist destination for thrill seekers, basically. It is, it's an active volcano, so it's very unpredictable. And part of the thrill of going to White Island is because it, you can stand at the base of the volcano and you can look down inside the volcano and see it bubbling. That sounds like a very bad life decision. Right, but you think that's bad listen to this. So in order to get on the island, you have to A, sign a waiver, which we all do that all the time. I can understand that. But when you get on the island, the requirements to be on the island are a hard hat, which not too bad. Right. Okay. A A gas mask. Wait. Okay. So people knowingly go on this island, knowing they have to wear a gas mask, which screams a very bad idea to me. Like, I'm a thrill seeker. You're a thrill seeker. We know this about each other. I want to swim with white, great white sharks in a cage. That sounds like a dream come true. And you've done some really cool things. Right. I've jumped out of an airplane voluntarily. Right. But going to the lip of a, an active volcano, someone A would push me in. But if that never happened, a gas mask tells me that there's toxins in the air. You don't right. just wear a gas mask for fun. They say that the gas mask protects you from the sulfur and the ash that is in the air. So the reason that the White Island gets its name, White Island, is because there's a constant cloud of ash in the air oh. from the volcano. Okay. I still think it sounds like a bad idea, but what do I know? 
What do right. I know? I, I did do some reading and the history of the island, it was used for sulfur mining, which also mm-hmm. does not sound like a safe practice, which is probably why it stopped in the early 1900s. Right. So that day they had 47 people were on the island. Okay. Out of those 47 people, 38 of them were from the cruise ship, the Royal Caribbean cruise ship, Ovation of the Seas. Okay. So I, I we know about Royal Caribbean in our line of work, obviously. There are about 4,900 passengers on Ovation of the Seas. So not very many of them actually went on this outing. No, less than 10%. I mean, actually, way less than 10%. It's less than 1%. Right. So these are like the thrill junkies of the thrill junkie. Because the Ovation of the Seas, that was a 12-day cruise through like the New Zealand area. So all of these people love the outdoors or -hmm. they wouldn't be on this cruise. Exactly. They were about midway through this cruise when they decided it would be a great idea. Hey, let's go see an active volcano. So... What happens next? The 47 people are on the island. So a little history is that GNS Science is the company that oversees the activity on a volcano. So they use seismographs, they use microphones, they use these little devices that they plant inside the volcano, which, by the way, sounds like a horrible idea. Who wants to do that for a job? Wait, yeah, who is the guy that had to go down there and do that? <laughs> I have no idea, but <laughs> count me out. I'm not okay. in for that. Yeah, no, I'm good. But the the level threats go from zero to five. Okay. So the day before this cruise took place, GNS Science released a statement, and I think you have it, stating that the threat level was a level two, which right. is great. I- yeah, that's not that doesn't seem that bad. But listening to the statement they put out, which was also put out by the White Island Tour Company, mm-hmm. which we'll get into White Island in a second, the tour company. But listen to this statement. It's really ominous to me. Yes. Wakari White Island is currently on an alert level two. This level indicates moderate to heightened volcanic unrest. There is the potential for eruption hazards to occur. White Island Tours operates through the varying alert levels, but passengers should be aware that there is always a risk of eruptive activity regardless of the alert level. White Island Tours follows a comprehensive safety plan, which determines our activities on the island at the various levels. So to me, that's basically, yeah, we know it's a level two, but anything could happen at any point. So do they do they even know? Or are they just trying to cover this up? It just seems very flippant. It's very suspicious for sure. You know, and secondly, who who is the person or who are the people who ultimately make the decision about the safety of this? Because it sounds like they're just doing a, here's our statement. This covers us from liability. If you go, you're taking your your safety into your own hands, basically. Did they let the passengers on this cruise ship know about it? I, from the reading that I did on the Royal Caribbean site, yes, Royal Caribbean told the passengers the day before that a statement was released and they made a decision yes to go or no to not. So I guess that just goes to the point of like, we should always read before we sign something. Right. Just like a contract, you know, I mean, if you get a contract, you should read what you're signing because. Yeah, that's usually a good idea. Yeah, you would think. 
So 47 people went on the island that day, knowing full and well that the island was a threat level two. First of all, 38 of those were from the Royal Caribbean ship. And, you know, here's the other thing about this that that really would bother me, aside from the gas masks. To get to the island, you can't just hop on a boat and get the boat to take you and drop you off directly at the island. You have to tender from your boat where your boat is anchored. You have to tender on a rubber dinghy from the boat to the island. Meaning that, you know, A, those little dinghies can only hold, what, maybe 10 to 12 people at yeah, a time? Yeah, and I, I don't know that a lot of people know the word dinghy. I feel like that's very Australian and New Zealand. We don't necessarily use that language around here. That's kind of a raft. Like, it's right. a small, small vessel, if you will, with, like, an outboard motor. So just imagine yourself on the wide open ocean. And it's um, rubber. Yeah, on a rubber raft. No, no, that's a good no. <laughs> that would be enough to deter me. I don't know about you, but you right. Know. <laughs> and some of the reading I did, some of the people on this island were as young as thirteen, and the oldest was seventy-two. So that's a wide range of daredevils, if you will. Yeah. Well, and as a parent, I'm not so sure that I would be okay with taking my child on an excursion like that, that required a gas mask, but that's well, just right. me personally. And here's the thing too. We have to be careful of victim blaming because at the end of the day, I still feel like the scientists did not give the passengers and the tour groups enough information to make a smart decision. Like they Correct. probably all would have made a completely different decision had they been given the proper information. Right. I feel I like they gave as much information as they had to, but no more. Exactly. Exactly. So let's tell the people what actually happened. Okay. So at around 2.11 p.m. on that day, you know, I mean, they're watching the volcano. They're expecting to see, I guess, molting, you know, bubbling magma, sulfur, whatever's in the volcano. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a spout erupts out of the volcano and flies 12,000 feet into the air. That's terrifying. So basically, you have 12,000 feet of this substance flying out in its steam. Sam, did you know there were different types of volcanoes? No. Yeah, I, I did not know there were different types of volcanoes. Mm. Apparently, there a are volcano and a volcano eruption were exactly the same. Yeah, like I had no idea. But I mean, we live in the middle of the country where we don't have volcanoes where we live. But 
apparently the eruption was a hydrothermal explosion. So instead of like the lava and the magma that we all think about, like the pretty red stuff running down the side of a volcano, that's not what this was at all. It was steam. And so, you know, we want to point fingers and say, oh, they should have known. And I feel like, yeah, they still should have. We live in 2022 now and it was 2019 then. But apparently this makes it harder to track and predict when they're going to erupt. It It's constantly steaming. constantly so they had no indication that the steam that was bellowing was more dangerous than the the steam they've been seeing right and maybe to put it into perspective so imagine if you have for instance a pressure cooker at home an instapot for instance you know and and this is just kind of like the steam on that when you look at your instapot it's constantly you know blowing steam out when you release the pressure on that if you don't release it all the way it's blowing this hot steam up and I don't know about you but I have released the pressure and opened the lid a little bit too soon and that steam has burned me before can you imagine this is why I don't use my instapot it's still in the box right it's like can you imagine (laughs) I'm too afraid of it right can you imagine a 12,000 like a a funnel of steam exploding 12,000 feet in the air these poor people had nowhere to go. No, no way if to you get away at, from it. Right. If you look at the pictures of the island, it's pretty desolate. It's not like there's tons of trees or even rock formations outside of the lid of the outside of the lip of the volcano. They had nowhere to run. And because the dinghies were the only boats right there, the cruise ships off in the distance watching this all happen. Right. I, so, I yeah, the pictures are horrific. And mm-hmm. You know, the aftermath of this, there, all of these people who were standing at the lip, you know, there were 22 fatalities that day. So 22 out of 47 people were killed by this eruption. And the people who were not killed were injured. There was nobody who came unscathed from the situation. Right. In fact, five suffered injuries with the majority of them. Um, needing intensive care for their severe burns. Like most of them had burns from head to toe on their body. Um, one, one person who was on the island, his account that I read said that it was like looking at a, a picture in a horror movie because there was literally skin falling off of these victims' bodies oh in areas. I actually, I yeah, no, I can't imagine I actually follow a girl on TikTok. Her name is Stephanie Browett, and I'm going to plug this shamelessly for her because she has done amazing things for the burn community and for the people who suffered and and ultimately um, were survivors of this. She's gone through and shown her progression from 2019 until recently when she got her compression garments off. Her father and her sister actually passed away during this event while her mom was back on the cruise ship watching the entire thing. So not only has she had the emotional turmoil that she's had to grieve, but also she's had her family that she's had to grieve. And she's also had some very serious repercussions physically that she's had to overcome. And I don't think people realize how serious this actually was because on this side of the world, we didn't really hear about it. Right. That's, I can't even imagine going through all of that. And she's still, if I'm not mistaken, she still just recently is is 
still in recovery from this. And this well, is. She, yeah, she'll be in recovery for the rest of her life. She she lost partial pe- pieces of her fingers, very severe burns. And I know she's not the only one that we've heard stories of. We've read stories of. But one of the most traumatic things is shortly after this happened, having to get all these people to a hospital, which was 90 minutes away by boat. Wow. So these people not only are suffering, but now they're having to sit on these boats for 90 minutes with the wind and the temperatures and the basically the elements beating against their burned bodies, making their pain what must have been excruciating. Yeah. Sadly, a lot of the bodies were not able to be recovered immediately because of the safety concerns. Um, So GNS, which we talked about earlier, they immediately upgraded the island to a threat level four, which basically is saying an eruption is imminent. I don't know if they went off, like you said, seismographs, like did they think that there was going to be another because there was one? I'm not sure, but they immediately said nobody can be on this island because somebody else will be injured. They dropped it very quickly to a three and then a two. And that's when they were able to go recover the bodies. And the cruise ship had to stay in that area because the police had to do investigations that basically they had to use the DNA from the rooms to Mm -hmm. be able to, um, link these bodies to people if you will so right. it was it was horrific white island tours which we alluded to earlier is a tour company and um sam you did research and the it's uh, the buttle family owns buttle. this and okay. they have owned this island for several generations so it's a it's a basically it's a privately owned island but the Buttle family and the government are the two entities, basically, that decided, yes, we can use this island for tourist destinations, or now no one is, is allowed on the island anymore. You can, you can still see the island, but you have to take a helicopter tour to see it, which is much safer, obviously. Um, but the Buttle family is the fa- family who initially started the tourist destination and they own the island. So White Island Tours, um, like you said, the Buttle family has owned it for generations. They are basically the ones with not really any government oversight at that, um, who have decided which tour companies are allowed on the island. It Because it's private, they have every right to tell people, yes, you can, no, you can't. But they've been pretty hands-off. There's no inhabitants of this area. It's just something they own. So White Island Tour Company was the largest tour company, and they also had ties to cruise lines. So they got a lot of cruise line business, really more than anything else. And I know that we read several stories of the tour operators' patrons, and but we also heard from several of the tour operators' employees. One of the things that is upcoming currently is that they still have not finished the litigation process. We're not no. looking at a at a a court time until 2023, at least. And I think that what's wild to me is that in June 2021, WorkSafe New Zealand, which is very similar to like our OSHA, or, you know, they oversee workplace safety is basically their end goal. 
um, they charged multiple tour operators for failure to keep employees and others safe. So they even have come in and said, putting people on this island should not happen. So with WorkSafe New Zealand, one of the things that I read is this is the first case of this type in New Zealand where they charged not only the six tour companies that you were speaking of, but mm -hmm. also three individuals. So this has been going on since December of 2019 after the incident. That's when New Zealand police launched the investigation in conjunction with WorkSafe's New Zealand. Well, and I think part of the mud, muddy and murky waters is that we had so many people from so many different countries. So where does this litigation happen? Because currently, Royal Caribbean is based in Florida. That is where their headquarters are. So mm -hmm. several of the families are trying to civilly come after Royal Caribbean, and they're trying to do so in the United States where the company is based. However, Royal Caribbean has tried to block that from happening by going to the Australian and New Zealand governments and filing appeals so that the families cannot do that. Right. So it's very difficult to figure out because they're on the open water. They're from everywhere. This happened in New Zealand, but how and where are these victims going to be able to get the justice they deserve? Right. And, and like you said earlier, this is still an open litigation and court dates are as far out as 2023. So um, as recently as May 31st of this year, the Buttle family who own Wakari White Island announced that they're applying to the court to have charges against themselves dismissed. So right. there's still active things going on between the individual parties, as well as the tour operators, and then Royal Caribbean trying to block any litigation against them. It's just a big mess. And unfortunately, these families probably are not going to have any closure anytime soon. Well, and that's, that's part of it. And what people have to understand, it's very easy to pass blame. It's very easy to victim blame. It's very easy to blame the tour companies. It's very easy to to blame Royal Caribbean, but at the end of the day, this is mother nature and right. nobody can control mother nature. I think, and I hope that they're working towards better warning systems because this is not the only active volcano in the world. No, there's a lot of them out there and people are naturally curious about nature and about, you know, volcanoes and things of that sort. So unless or until these volcanologists, scientists come up with a system that is a little bit more telling. These types of incidents could happen again any moment. We right. never know. But I also think it's very important to not stop living life. And I think that's, you know, in our industry, we have to cautiously look at risk benefits. I know most people wouldn't think, oh, a uh, travel advisor has to has to do something like that. That sounds more like an investment banker. But we have to qualify the type of clients that we have. And there's no way that we're going to send a family with small children to a volcano. But that also might be something that people are very insistent about. So about being able to do. So right. I think at the end of the day, there are safe ways to thrill seek. You know, you're not going to go jump off a mountain without a bungee cord. You're not going to jump out of an airplane without a parachute. 
And there are definitely things and steps that need to be taken when considering mother nature in these types of environments. Right. And the only thing we can do is like you said, we can offer our professional opinion and we can do the research and warn our clients of the dangers. But at the end of the day, it's their decision. And quite frankly, I'm the same way. People can tell me that's a bad idea, but at the end of the day, I'm going to make a decision whether or not I think it's the right decision for myself. Exactly. So what happened on December 9th, 2019 will definitely go down in the history books as one of the worst volcano eruptions to ever happen. However, what we have to take away from this is while traveling can be both fun and exhilarating, it can also turn deadly with a moment's notice. So what we need to take away from this is that we need to be very mindful of the places that we visit as well as the people that we visit with. Thanks for joining us this week and we hope you join us again next week as we discover another vicious crime that happened while on destination. This has been a Last Choice podcast where we may not have been your first choice, but we'll certainly be your last.